welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. There it is. Welcome, everyone, to uh, Sunday. It is Sunday night slash afternoon slash morning. Maybe if you're in the Philippines, I'm not really sure. Uh, night teacher talk. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this show, uh, which was born out of an idea where we are trying to create a community that is helping one another to be the teachers they are called to be or that we were called to be. Um, and if you're not into callings, then it's the teacher that you dreamed of being. And so the idea here is that tonight we show up and uh, we help to get ready for the week. I'm going to tell you right now, tomorrow is the first day of professional development. I know many of you have been in school for like a month now, but we go back for PD tomorrow. Um, and I don't know if we were just talking about this. I don't know if it's a level. I mean, there's always like a level of anxiety. Um, but I was saying that like some of mine comes out of like, I never, I've never been back to a school year that was like the one previous. There's always a new principal, a new vice principal, a new dean. There's always new, like I'm teaching a new class. I'm teaching with a new co-teacher or seven. Uh, I'm at a new school. Like it's, there's just massive shifts every year that I go back. And so um, I, that's something maybe we'll talk about tonight. What do you do with that kind of stuff and and, and all of that? But, you know, th the idea here, though, is that uh, this isn't just you, that teaching is a communal activity, that we are in community with, yes, the people that we work with and the communities that we work with and the students that we work with, but also um, where can you find other people that are like, I don't know, they're like you, that are like a little bit left to center, like you might be in the classroom. And then this is one of those meeting places. So if you're interested in anything else that we're doing, um, you can go read to realrapwithreynolds.com. And look, it, you know, to that point, while you're getting questions and stuff set up, I just think that one of the things that we could do in going back to school. So when I think about like feeling a mixture of like excitement and probably some anxiety in there and like not knowing where to start and not knowing what to do and just trying to think about like, how do I go into tomorrow? What am I going to do? I really think that, you know, having a mindset that's based around like, what am one of the ways I'm thinking about this, and I hope no one from school is watching this because I don't want to be held accountable um, for, for what I say. I don't want to be held accountable to myself. <laughs> is that what if I go into tomorrow and I'm focused on other people? What if I'm focused on not like this year for me, but I'm focused on this year for you? And I even started thinking about, this is the part I don't want the school to hear. Um, I've been thinking about things like, we have stuff in the school that doesn't work or that is a mess or that I just like don't like the functionality of it. And what if I change some of those things? So I was even thinking, we're talking about like outside of our front office, there's this big flat screen TV and it worked for a year and it had announcements on it and I had students pictures on it and stuff like that. But then it just doesn't even get turned on. I don't know if it doesn't work. I don't know if there's someone just like doesn't keep up with it or whatever, but I'm like, if I could find the remote and the connection for that thing, like what if I just put up announcements? What if I just put up like all the pictures we take and me and my friends take all day for Instagram or for like just taking pictures of products and or projects and stuff like that. Like, what if I just took care of that? Um, what if, you know, our stage, uh, we, we have, I'm telling you, we dream on a budget, man. Like we, I'm not in like a, I know many people look at my class and they think I'm in a private school. We have like a stage that looks like it's 
you know. You don't have an auditorium. It you looks have a like cafeteria. We, we do, but we call it a dining hall, so it sounds fancier. It's in the basement of the school, and it looks like a basement with tables in it. Um, and our stage looks like uh, it's five seconds away from a lawsuit. So one of the things I want to do this year is find people that can help me to either fix the stage, to rebuild the stage, or to just make it look nicer. But I don't want, I'm not looking for a stipend. I'm not looking for like, like a kick in my, in, in, into my pay at the end of the year. I'm just, what I'm doing is taking the power of showing up and feeling like I can be an agent of change at the place where I am in the ways that I can. So what are my gifts that I have that I can just show up with? And so that's that's part of what I've been thinking about this morning. What are you thinking about? You know, swimming pools. Swim <laughs> I'm not usually that fast. I feel like references. that is a good giveaway right there. The first person, if they can say what movie that was about, Ooh. I should send them something. I'm going to do that right now. Um, Anybody know what I reference? Yeah, I need someone to, to I need pools. to know who the first... So when you say, what are you thinking about? Swimming pools? <laughs> That's our movie. Let's see if anybody knows. Okay, let's start with uh, Patricia Patrick. Awesome. Is asking, how did your classroom set up? Uh, well, Patricia Patrick uh, hasn't gone anywhere yet. Um, so I have gotten, look. Well, tomorrow's not the first day with students. No. Tomorrow's the first day of like PD. Yep. So the... Here's let, let me I'll give you a little bit of transparency into to the life of Reynolds. I am right now. I have um, an entire day of professional development coming up this week that I have to go away to drive five and a half hours, do PD, drive back to my own PD. So I go to I'm going to go to school all day on Tuesday. I'm going to drive five and a half hours to New York uh, State. I'm going to do a PD there the next day. Then I'm going to drive home that night and then I'm gonna show up for PD on Thursday. Um, I, there are several uh different like things i'm committed to whether they're brand deals or other conferences that are going on or other video projects that people need from me um and trying to squeeze in all the summer i could get because some of our like none of our actual vacation plans worked out we were just i don't want to say like i the, what it comes down to is like my kids aren't vaccinated and i don't know i don't i just i'd rather be safe than sorry. And the reason for that, and I'm, I, we are, we are way more like safety focused than a lot of folks we know, but that's because this doesn't happen if I'm sick, right? Like, so I don't care. Like, I'm not even talking about the news. I'm not trying to get in even people's views of like what, what COVID is and how bad it is and all that stuff. Um, but if I get sick on any level, like I can't do my business and I am, you know, like I need that to happen. So um, so my plan is this week is to just rock it out, but I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to walk into my room tomorrow with my brand new carpets again. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. Crafty, uh, preschoolers says, how did your heart feel going back into set, to set up your classroom? I think it, yeah. if I, I love that part, right? It is, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this trick. Whenever my life feels like it's spinning out of, out of control, when I have too much going on, when there's so much to take care of, I, for me, organizing something helps me center it helps me feel like i have a state of control so like even in my desk if i can just clean up my desk minimize my to-do lists on the one master to-do list like it just that makes me feel better when our house is clean and organized it makes me feel better so um we spent the week doing that we did we did, we did. Like we did putting like, away all the extra crap that just piles up on the steps or yeah. around yeah to get ready think of how much week. you'll get done now that i'm not home after a year and a half of being home 
I know. You're going to miss me. You're such a distraction. We're all going to miss you and the dog. It's going to be a transition. I hope everyone cries tomorrow morning. (laughs) Stop it. Okay, let's start with some some questions. Ms. Gonzalez is asking, we have have Fairy Dust Friday already, so we are doing Weird Wednesday. The goopy tricks I have covered, but what instructional weird things could you suggest? Oh, this is a wonderful idea. I, I want to know what Fairy exactly. Dust Friday yeah, word. is. Me too. Um, I thought about doing Weird Game Friday, special. where I would just buy weird games. Um, we played a game last night called 20 Seconds, uh, and that was really fun. Gosh, instructional ideas. I think, I mean, gosh, you could go anywhere. My idea for Weird Friday is more of an introduction to weird stuff. That's a oh man. I'm on stumped him. No, I'm on no I'm not stumped. <laughs> Just haven't thought of anything yet. Uh I don't know what I've got. I'm gonna have to think about that one. Miss Gonzalez did stump me a little bit. Can you write a note for that? Because I'm gonna think about that one. If anyone else has an answer, I would love to hear it. But what instructional weird things could you do on Friday? Uh I do I will say I have if you go on my YouTube channel to the playlists. There's a playlist of weird Friday things. Some of that might inspire you um, that I've added to over the years. And everything I put on there is like, I'm fairly certain they're all clean. You might want to watch it first, but like nothing has any curses in or anything like that. And they're all from what I remember good for like every age. But uh, the idea behind weird Friday for me is like, how can I introduce you into something that's bizarre or strange, but it's also kind of oddly wonderful. And, you know, one of the things that the students get so upset about when we show, I show these ways every Friday, there's someone that goes, this guy has too much time on his hands. Who would even spend their time doing that? And I think to, that conversation always looks a lot like, well, like how much time do you spend like playing video games? Like all day? And like my man made this amazing contraption of, uh, and, you know, the, the thing is what I want kids to really pull away from it sometimes also is that this idea of like the things we're passionate about, we don't pick, right? Like, so like, I love gardening. Gardening's not a chore for me, but it's a chore for other people. Like they hate, like, I, like it gave me, it gives me great sense of peace to go into my out front on the stoop, like, and live in the city. So it's like, to just like pull grass out of the cracks, it just gives me a sense of joy piece and I love it so much um I know that's not everyone's jam but it's like when you when you're thinking about like so uh Kobe Bryant like if you've not read this book Mama Mentality it's really great and the there's um there's a documentary based I think it's based on the book too because there's so much overlap I, I assume they came from the same place but um this idea of like when you're playing basketball you don't do it because you have to you do it because you love it because you want to right like when I grew up and played drums I would play drums. I'd practice drums three to three and a half hours a day. And I did that because I loved it, not because I had to. I mean, there was a slight level of obsession there. But um, yeah, I think that that's where that comes from. And I want kids to tap into that. I want kids to find that thing that they love so much that they want to do so much that they can't help to do to go a day without it. All right. Our next question comes from Chronically Speaking. My admin stopped me and my giant rolling cart. Carter work on my way out on Friday. She told me to stop leaving at 6 p.m. and taking home hours more worth 
of work for me. I am a first year teacher. Teaching, oh, oh I didn't know this was a two-parter. Okay, if you wanna start speaking to yes, that. Yes, and then, all right, so I'll speak to that first part. Um, oh, got it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> three preps and I'm only, um, three preps and I am the only science teacher at my high school, so I have no PLC. I am already improving at staying caught up at grading, but I feel like I'm constantly planning and replanning because I don't know. They need more space for questions. I know, People right? need to be able to say because the whole my thing. students are so much further behind. I want to do this. Who doesn't? But I don't know how to get there without just sucking at my job. All right, that's this is a lot of things, and I'll try and make it as cohesive as possible. Um, I think one. I'm not against spending untold amounts of hours at school or on something that you love doing, right? But is it's, to me, it's, are, I see people that stay late at school and they hate it and they're stressing the whole time and it's so overwhelming and they just don't want to do it, but I got to get caught up and I can't get out of here. To me, then you're trapped, right? There's no level of freedom in that. And so what I want to do is, you know, I, and I think when you operate out of that place, um, your year suffers for it because you suffer for it. And if you can't show up as the best version of yourself, and that doesn't always mean you're on, you're on 10 or you're on 11, right? It just means that are you at the best you can be that day, given the circumstances, right? So if I am working overworking and it's leading to my demise, that's something you need to stop and check yourself for. That's something that I swear to you that take and look this is my wife would tell you that this is not something advice i take for myself all the time taking the time off and doing something with it so that could mean netflix and chill it could mean hanging out with friends it could mean um going out and getting dinner with people it could mean going to the trampoline park i don't know whatever your jam is it's something that's filling you up there is there is value in that. And here's why. Because when you fill yourself up so much, what you're teaching should be is an overflow of that. It can't, you can't come second. You have to come first. Now, that being said, I have spent many, many nights at my school until midnight, until one in the morning, and on a few occasions until four o'clock in the morning, I've been at my school. Now, that's crazy, but it's also when I had little kids. And so it was like, I got a sitter that could only sit after my kids were in bed. So then my wife and I would go up to school later. And then we knew that this was our one and only shot. So we'd spend until four o'clock in the morning at the school. And, but I loved it. It's like, it's four in the morning. There's no one in the building. You got jams pumping in the background. Um, you bring snacks up. It's like, you don't it's just like, it's great. It's so fun. I love doing all of that stuff. So it's never like, even like, those late nights of setting up my classroom in the beginning of the year, I just never, it never wears me down because I love doing it. So it's like, if I could, if there's actually nothing else I'd rather be doing in those moments than doing that, because I get so excited about doing it. So that's one thing. So you can take admin's advice, but I would take admin's advice if you're burning yourself out. If you're not burning yourself out and you're loving it, I would say they just don't know who they're talking to right now. Um, what, what was the last part or this, um, do you know, second. do you remember, babe? Oh, I'm sorry. One second. 
I felt like there was three. I felt like there was yeah, something on each said, one of those. Um, uh, she's the only science teacher at my high school, so I have no PLC. I am already improving at staying caught up and reading, but I feel like I'm constantly planning and replanning because my students are so much further behind. Okay, so planning and replanning, I would say this. You need to you need to stop recreating. Like, if you are, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to read into this just because I've seen this sort of thing a lot of times. If this is not you, then 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 I don't know. Just go go with the spirit of what I'm saying. But it is not about recreating the wheel. I think that it's about reimagining the wheel. That it's not about looking at something that you're that like it's like looking at what you need to teach and then sprinkling magic on that. So like buying it like and get your school to pay for this if you can like it's like buying curriculum from somewhere but from a trusted source right i'm not just saying go on cpt and order the first thing you see on there but make sure that it's from a trusted source or find a curriculum and say to your school hey this is what i need because this is where our students are based it on the students i have a whole another video on that coming out it's called how to get whatever you want in school um and then you you need to find a plc is what i would say and and look I would literally go to our Facebook group, um, put in there what you're teaching, who you are, like that that sort of stuff. Give people the, the intro and then see if you can find people that you can connect with. Um, because I, I think that sometimes PLCs at school don't work out because I don't know who picks them and who decides who's going with who. And like sometimes you're just in there with a bunch of miserable curmudgeons. Um, and sometimes you're in the, it, it's just like not always the group you need. But I think building your own, right? So what we're talking about here is like is is freedom, and what we're talking about here is is gaining power and control. So I don't stay at school because I have to. I stay at school because I want to. I don't just go to the meetings that I have to. I go to well, this isn't good advice for people. I go to the meetings that I want to. Um, I don't hang with people that I because I have to. I hang with people at school because I want to. Um, my personal like learning community or professional learning community like those are people that i align myself with so i still go, i've gone to plc meetings that i don't feel like i'm really really i try and do my best but like that's not my jam it's not my crew um i make my own crew that like when i go in school tomorrow i'll be hawking out that whole room and figuring out who because all my you know so many of my friends have left it's like who am i aligning myself with this year who has good energy who's excited about what they're doing um, that just pours into you and helps you get better. And then look, I'll say this to, you, to your last piece there. And I've said this so many times, teaching is the only job that people think we need to be great at as soon as we start. And it's not true. Teaching is so often, I used to say it's like swimming, but I think it's more like boxing. Teaching and learning teaching in college is kind of like learning boxing in college. It's watching a whole bunch of like film. It's watch, it's, it's studying and, and practicing and hitting bags and stuff like that. Teaching in the classroom is like you just got punched in the face for the first time. The bell rang and now it's like game on. Like now, now what am I doing? And so it's okay to not do well. It's okay to suck. It's okay to, to fail, but fail quickly. And then here's Chris Carson's favorite word, pivot, right? So what you have to do is see what's going wrong. Like get to that point of failure as fast as you can because, and maybe you don't hit it. Maybe you're just like, oh, we just cruised through. That was great. Or you get to a place where you're like, okay, this sucks, but I'd rather something suck for a day or a week instead of a month or a term or a year. Um, so when I see that it's not going to work and I see this is a bad idea going, all right, this didn't work. And then just change and then do something different. Um, that That's the best piece of advice I can give for you because look, you're just not going to be that good. 
you might surprise yourself sometimes. I'm not saying you're going to suck, but it, it is, it is going into it with that learner's mindset of like, um, that also doesn't define me either, whether or not my students like all pass, whether or not I, my grade, my lessons are all fire. It's like, it is a, always constantly a growing, ever-changing thing. Um, and the last thing I'll say is it's going to change every year because although your lessons are on lock, your students are going to be different. And so you don't know what level kids are coming in on. You don't know what their interests are going to be and those sorts of things. So I think that that's, that's going to change things from year to year as well. Eric is asking, I am a substitute teacher and I struggle because I don't have a dad voice to in, enforce rules. What recommendations would you make for controlling a class? Um, so Eric, I would say, get a megaphone. Yeah, um, uh, as a sub, I don't know if you can get it. Oh, a sub. Yeah. yeah. So being a substitute, I think it's, I, I think it's, all right, so we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, we're going to go this way, right? It's less about controlling a class. And I think it's more about leading a class. That's why I have sort of a, and look, I know it's, I know it's like, it's, some people get real hung up on words. I don't usually get really hung up on words, but even things like classroom management, um, I have this whole idea, idea of like a series that I want to do on classroom leadership, because I think people that lead are much different than people that manage. Um, managers straighten the chairs on the deck of the Titanic as it's going down. Leaders figure out solutions to problems that are happening. So even if that's the thing, I just think sometimes changing our thinking and changing the words that we're using on something can, can have an impact. I think in regards to what you're talking about, um, it's just going to take some doing. And what I found is that, uh, that substitutes that I know that have had a lot of success are the substitutes that come back and back and back and back and back. So they start knowing some of the kids, they start knowing some of the teachers. And then it's about having, it's about being clear on your why for anything. So it can't just be, I never, ever, ever do something because it's the school's policy. I just don't do it. Um, it or because this is what the, we've, like the school decided how we're supposed to handle something. I need to be able to explain to my students why something's happening. And it cannot be because the school told me so. Now, look, I, but but there are things I do that the school told me so, but it's because I believe in it, right? And if I don't believe in it, then I go and have a, a conversation with the powers that be and, and figure out what we're going to do from that. And if I really don't like that, then I just figure out how I'm going to handle it on my own anyway. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. But to this point, I think it is, connecting with students, letting them know when they come in, like what the outcomes are. And it is like, so when you come in, are you like, are you allowed to talk while you're doing work or not? Right. It's like, as long as it's not very loud, I don't care if kids talk while they're doing work. It's up to you. You get to decide whether or not you're going to do work. Um, there's other folks that want it silent. Like many of my friends have silent classes when they sub. no one's allowed to talk. Uh, can someone go to the bathroom? I don't care if you go to the bathroom, but it's one person at a time. And so uh, what that does is like, while someone's out for a really long time, because they're basically cutting class, um, I just, now you just screwed everybody else over that needs to go to the bathroom. I can't let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to have multiple, multiple people out of the building at one time. So what if you room. do if you can't enforce the rules because you have a lower voice? Like if I, you're a, a person that doesn't have that big booming Because voice. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the voice equals the the respect that you get. I think it's your consistency. I think it's you having a sense of like clear expectations, clear expectations and being as fair as possible. So some teachers have rules that they 
are just there for no reason, right? Like you can't yeah. write in pencil. It's like, what? That's so silly. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Why can't I write in pencil? Like, or why can't I um, do like, can I move my desk? Yeah, I don't care. Like there's just certain things I don't care about. So I think it's looking at the expectations that you have. And then I think it's developing yourself. I think that look, you know, because if someone just had to have a, had to have a, and I'm just using their term dad yeah. voice, right? Like, I think there are studies that show that boys respond to men's voices better than they do women's voices. It is something in the timber of their voice, um, especially kids who like come from a single parent home where they literally that the tone of like a mother's voice or like someone that has a higher pitched voice, it, they tone it out, right? This is what studies have shown. And that when men talk like, you know, they talk like this, or if, even if a woman has a lower uh, octave of voice, yeah. voice, yeah, like boys will respond to that more. However, I know people like my friend Sarah at school, like she doesn't have, a, she has a very high voice. Hannah has a very high voice and they just, but they know who they are. They know what they're about and they know, and they have a level of confidence that it doesn't matter because they're going to stare you right in your eye and go, bro, I don't, yeah. you're, stop or you got to go or stop or this is going to be the rep, like what's going to happen next. Um, I want you to succeed and it's building those relationships and stuff too. So I think that's, that's somewhere where that comes from. It's, it's having very clear expectations, but then it's so much of teaching is, is working on us and not just working on kids. Mm. All right. Another Eric is asking, I just graded my first, my first test as a teacher and one student made a two out of a hundred. This is something that I never anticipated and it hit me hard. Has this ever happened to you and how should I handle this? Yes. I've had kids get it. A one out of five. I laugh at this because I always feel test. bad when I grade those tests for you if we're grading together. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, and you're like, no, that kid just doesn't do any work. No, that kid doesn't do any work. <laughs> just mean. Um, so I think there's two ways to do this. It's to say, bro, you got, you got two. Like, like depending on the kid, right? This conversation is going to look different. That's everything in teaching. There are no silver bullets in teachers. No one way to do something. Um. So I would handle that. There's a couple of different ways. You can say, like, if we put a, if we put it, if a squirrel took this test, it might get a higher grade than you did. Um, but you also want to look at if a kid really struggles. Like maybe that student is like, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe they are just very, very below grade level. And in that place, I wouldn't use humor. I would say, look, you got a two out of a hundred. So one, you didn't get a zero, right? You got two points higher than a zero. Two, how can we, what can we get you to? So it's really looking at like, how can you help that student scale? So when I get a kid that gets a zero on a vocab test, I'm like, bro, it was, you got a zero. Like that, that like, all right. So we're, so we, we can't go down. That's the good thing. We can't go any lower than this. Can we get a higher F next time though? Like, can we just rig the game to win, to get a little bit higher? Then those are the kids that like next week, if that kid gets a 20 out of, out of a hundred, it's like, all right, look, still sucks. I mean, like if you, if you were married to someone and you were like, what would you give your marriage? Ah, it's like a 20 out of a hundred. Like, oh, that's terrible. Um, can we, but we got to a 20 that's the, and then like mark that increase. That's 20 from a zero to a 20. That's 20% better you did. Can we jump up to 
25, 30? Can we get to a 50? Like, and then you're, you, what you do is you start helping kids to scale. My guess is there's a couple of different things going on here. Either you have a child that is very below grade level and doesn't have the skill or ability to do the work. Or you have a kid that doesn't care. And kids that don't care don't have a why. And kids that don't have a why don't give a crap about anything because there's no reason for me to do this because I don't see this playing an important role in my life. Because if I really believed it in my heart that this was important, then I would shift my behavior. But people that don't have six-pack abs just don't think that eating right and doing sit-ups are going to actually get them the six-pack abs. That's why they don't do it. Like, if you really think about it, you think, gosh, it's just, I don't even know if I can do it. Like, I don't even know if it's really going to even work. So your why has to be there. And I think it then comes down to sitting down with that student and figuring out what is their bigger why. Can't be college. Can't be passing my class. Can't be this is going to be on the thing for next year. Can't be, well, we have to take state tests and this is going to be on there. And you're not going to pass high school. It's what do you want? What is your life about? What do you want to do in your life? And then when you realize, get a kid to paint a picture, to dream, because I think students have largely lost the ability to dream um, that they're going to, or they dream, but it's like, what? Like you're going to be in the NBA, but you're a senior in high school and you never played on the football team yet. And you're four foot two and you're skinnier than a dead model. Like, I don't see how that happens, but it is, I think giving kids a very clear picture as to what this is going to look like, what you want, and then figuring out why does this test fit into that? Because this test, it's not about just love and biology. It's not just about love, having a love of reading. It is about us trying to figure out a way for you to scale, to reach your dream. So then school becomes not just something you have to love. Like, I don't care if you love it. I want you to be able to, to put work in to get to your dream. And if this just becomes another obstacle to that, then that then that's something we can wrestle with. That's something that motivates you because you have a clear vision of where you're going and why. John Lopez made a good point. He said some kids have challenges with understanding questions and knowing yeah. how to respond. Yeah, I think that also, like even for chronically speaking, said uh, in a comment she was talking about how in for some of her students they are really, they're reading at such a low level. And I just think that's some of those things that- It's, this so idea, many it's the standardized test argument, right? But it's there's so, that, there's so many undiagnosed, like you, learning differences, we all process information. So I think there's some of that. If, if you can go through and figure out if any yeah. of those things are there, then 90% of the time it's the why, yeah. right? So like I think motivation. Eric, it also, I would call a parent and say, what am I missing here? Like, what do I need to know about your kid to help them have the best year ever? And then see what they say. What what's not on the IP, the 504, the the, the, the all the paperwork that the school has. What what's not there Parents that that in. you know because you know your kid better than anyone. That's going to help me to show up and to help your child have the best chance of success this year. And you say that to a parent, you got a friggin' friend for life, also. Yeah, because like Maisha said, you could find out that that kid has terrible test anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's a real thing for some yep. students. And then so, you pivot that for a kid. Right. Chris Carson's favorite word. You pivot, that's <laughs> that gotta be a Chris Carson like tattoo. Um, you shift and show a kid that you're willing to meet them where they are so that they can find success. It's just it's game on. Now that now you're seen, you're heard, yeah. you're cared about, like right. like then that. You, then you excel. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. Game on. Um, we have another, I don't think it's it. Eric. I'm good. We're going to. We're going third Eric. Your name's Eric. 
<laughs> asking any tips for speedy classroom setup. I caught COVID and I just found out I will only have two days to set up my room before students come. Yeah, this is a great question. I would say focus on not the cuteness or the beauty or the fun of your classroom, focus on students. So make sure you have the right number of desks. Make sure that all of your desks don't wobble and they're even and neat and all that stuff or tables, whatever you have in your room. And then run through your day. Where are kids coming in when they come in? Where are they grabbing materials from? Where are they sitting? Where do they put homework? Where do they, like all the things that they do, um, that's what you want to focus on. You can always keep tweaking and, and fixing and doing things to your classroom. But I want my students, for me, to come in every day to know that, that your supplies are in this crate with this number on it. Your work is on this part of the board every day so you can see exactly where it goes, like what is necessary. This is exactly where your homework goes. This is where exactly where the books you're turning back in are going to go and where you're going to grab new books from. Um, it's all those sorts of things that I want kids to know about. But that, so that's what I, that's what I focus on first. And we hope you, you, uh, you get all the rest and yeah, heal and, really. and do well with, with that. I was also, one other quick thing, get rid of everything in your room that you don't need. Any crap that's just been sitting in there or sat in there because an old teacher had it, Look, I'm going to tell you what I do right now. I put it in the hallway. Someone else is going to take care of it. And sometimes I, it's not like I'm just trying to put my work on someone else, but I don't know where it goes and it doesn't go in here. So I don't know where it goes. So I just put it in the hallway. And then if someone goes, hey, what is this out here? I can say, oh, it's this. I can't. It's taking up space in here. Um, do you want to help me move it? I'll, I'll, like, let's get a team. Or I just put stuff in the hallway and then I find football players. And I go, I bet you can't take all this down to the, I bet, I bet he can take that down to the basement faster than you can. And then I, it's all boys. It's always competition. Plus, there's there's sports guys anyway. What you got, buddy? Um, our next question is uh, comes from Bela Me. Uh, she says, "Hi, I'm a new teacher this year. I keep struggling with figuring out how to explain answers. I, for some reason, just can't figure out how to do this. I feel like a firefighter who can't fight fires." Oh. Um, first of all. I don't know what's going on in that profile picture, but you have giant cat hands on. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. clearly a fan of uh, of hand things. Um, and over here and up there that you can't see that. So that this is, I mean, this is one of those questions that I would love to have a bit more information to get some clarity around. But I would say this: I remember when I student taught. And kids would come in and I taught an honors class. Uh, I, I don't know if it was, no, no, I've only taught honors like a handful of times in my life. Um, but I teach like the, the, I, I, I teach the motley crew of kids that like just don't fit into traditional education, which is where I like to be because that's because I don't, because I think I, that's who I was when I was a kid. Um, but even those kids sometimes ask very curious things. I think there's a couple of ways around this. One, don't feel like you have to answer every single question as soon as a kid answers it. You can go, that's a great question. Um, I actually, there, I want to move into this next part and move into this next thing. I want to think, I need to think about that. I need to sit with that because that's so good. I don't want to just shoot back an answer to you that's not, that's not worthy of your question. Um, two, it's getting other kids to explain things to one another or getting other kids uh to or getting kids to look up stuff themselves and, and find the answer themselves. Um, the other thing that I think is that look, you 
could ask some of the people you work with. I really think that there is a thing in education where people are so ashamed of the things that they are not. And that is so heartbreaking because there's so much that you're bringing to the table that is you and that's how you should be showing up. You know, like when I think about, when I do talks, I talk about one of my favorite shows of all time in the 1980s was the A-Team. And uh, there's like four of us on here that probably remember what that show was, but the A-Team was like these four guys and they all brought something different that made them the A-Team, right? That made them like one person's master of disguise. Another guy's make something from nothing. Another guy is like can razzle dazzle anybody he talks to. And the other guy's a little bit crazy and kind of goes along with anything is down for the plan all the time. It, it is when we say teaching is a communal activity, we need to be able to help one another to figure out some of our deficits. Um, because I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on what I'm not good at. I want to focus on what I am good at. But some things are crucial, right? So like my lack of organizational skill is crucial. Like it can't be unorganized and be a teacher. So I had to get help from somebody that helped me organize my life. Um, so I would work with, like talk to some people that you work with. Because here's the other thing. Um, when there's only so many questions really that are going to get asked to you over the years, right? Like, and there's only so many like types of behavior you're going to see from kids that have that display like poor behavior or have, are struggling with things. Um, and like, so your classroom management's off, but it's like this year when I go into school, it's just about figuring out what kids are going to be there. Like sleepy kid shows up every year. Spazzy kid shows up every year. Kid that can't sit still shows up every year. Kid that doesn't believe in himself shows up every year. Kids that's questioning like their life or their sexuality or who they are or have some sort of existential crisis like those kids show up every year that you just have a you just have a new are in a different body this year but i taught i taught that already taught that kid and so you get to this place where you feel like you really can handle stuff because you've already done it so it's so important that you work on you um so that you can be the best version you can because once you get to that place you're going to find that like um, there's like explaining answers. There's only gonna be so many questions over the years. There's only so many topics. And then you get really good at doing that. So I'd focus on also just don't look at the whole thing, rig the game so you can win and look at just a few things that are like, okay, this week, this month, this trimester, this quarter, this year, I'm going to work on these few five or less things and then move on with that. Okay, well, Liz was supposed to be up next, but this is doing this annoying, annoying thing where I can't get back to my comment feed. Oh. So I am I missed yours, Liz. Uh, so if you want to put it in again, and John Lopez, I missed yours because of it. And I think E again posted a two-part question, and I can't find okay. it. Okay, all so right. I'm so sorry. hopefully so, we'll get to those in a moment. Well, I, I can't get back to them unless I put them back in. So I'm going to keep moving down my line with Sean. Sean's asking any advice for... Sorry, any advice for transitioning into teaching from a different career? I'm 32 and should have always been a high school English teacher. I completed an alt credential program and now subbing full time for experience slash connections, but feel like I'm behind because I didn't do the traditional route. Sean, you're not behind. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why. I think that anybody that goes into teaching later in life, look, teaching's one of those incredible jobs that everything you've done up until this point, everything has been cross training for this job that, you know, teachers that come in sometimes at 22, we think like, Oh gosh, you've had so much work and experience and, and, and tried things. I just think that like 
you're bringing all of who you've been before to the, to this job. And that's going to look like a million different things, but um, I just think that it's empowering and you should remember that like, no, you're bringing all of that with you and that's a great thing. Um, and so I, I think if I was going to do anything, I would want to look at, there are people that figured it out. There are people that are teaching on a high, high level, not okay teachers. I'm not interested in hanging out with like, look, and this sounds really exclusive. I'm not trying to be exclusive. What I'm just trying to do is be mindful of the people I spend the most time with. That Jim Rohn says that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if I'm mindful of the people I'm around and I try and hang around the best and the brightest and the greatest, and I'm constantly trying to put myself in those rooms. And sometimes they don't want me there, but I just go with anyway. Because you're trying to soak up their goodness. You're trying to soak up what they're doing and what they know. And in sitting in other people's rooms and sitting with conversations with folks, with watching people on, you know, online, um, you get to see two things. One is what things do I not want to do? These are a terrible idea. This does not fit my personality. I'm just not going to do it, right? I don't do anything that doesn't fit me. Uh, the second thing is you're, of course, going to find people that you do get down with. People that do have procedures routines, disciplines, things that their practices that they're doing that you're going to go, yo, that, that feels right. Um, and so that's, that's what I would do. And then just start actually doing those things, uh, and move forward. Um, fail, like I said, fail fast, try stuff, but don't under any circumstances wait to be the teacher you dreamed of being. I say this all the time. Like don't wait for you figure it out don't wait for the year to go by don't wait till you get a sense of what school's like don't wait till you uh you have tenure um it's like just start now because that that's going to be the the fastest way to grow the fastest way to get better is to really go hard on something and try and then figure out what doesn't work and then not do it anymore don't don't make the failure last the whole year oh my gosh man that's like freaking tedious it's like no this isn't working like we, we have to figure out another way and then like be relentless in how you're going to do that. I think teach with reckless abandon. That's the, that's the move all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to read Liz's question. I think this is the one that I can't find. She put it back in. Um, asking Friday was our third day of school. We had a bomb threat. We had to be evacuated to the stadium. There was police helicopters and works. I imagine students are going to want to talk advice. Um, one, students might want to talk. Two, students might not want to talk. Um, when we remember that young people are often told speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to, uh, I think it's really important to remember that kids don't even know what their voice is and they don't even know why talking about this is important or they might connect it to some other sort of traumatic moment that's happened in their life. And now it's scary to, to unlock some of that stuff. Um, I don't think it's about ever dictating anything. It's about facilitating everything. So what you're doing when you have a conversation with students about anything that happens. So when we, when we have, when we lose a student um, to gun violence or, or to anything else, it's about, or like when, you know, black lives matter protests were, were, you know, getting out of control. Some of those, like, and that's a whole nother conversation, but like when kids couldn't sleep all night because the dumpster was on fire under their apartment, when, um, when Mr. Wallace was shot in Philadelphia last year, my students like lived on that block or knew his kids and stuff like that. Like these were all things that happened. 
And it's about just creating a space in your room that's safe, that allows kids to explore, express, and share who they are and what they're about and what they're feeling and thinking. And when we do that, what we're really doing is creating a space where you can go in and say, man, that was, that scared me yesterday. It made me feel concerned for, for you all. I'm just wondering how you all are feeling about that. Are you, are you scared going forward? Or did it make you angry? Did it make you sad? Did it make you upset? Did you not care? Like, where, where are you coming from with that? Um, and then letting kids direct that conversation. What I'm doing always is asking leading questions that get kids to share about it, because I know that it's not, it's not that we're angry or sad or depressed or, or lonely or, or whatever other feelings, you know, any of us feel it's what do we do with that? Right. When Mr. Rogers says, what do we do with the, with the mad that we feel when we feel so mad, we can bite. It's about that. That song is about do, doing something with your hurt, doing something with your pain, doing something with your worry, and just merely creating a safe space where students can share and not just share, but know that they're cared for, know what someone's thinking about them, and know that like we push the curriculum aside for today because you're what matters, because education is only ever about students. I think creating a space like that um, and letting kids talk about whatever they want to talk about. Now, the only thing you have to look out for when doing that is that someone's not over talking over someone else that we are learning to be active listeners also. So that's, Oh, you have an idea too. Wait a minute. Hold on. I love what you're, what you're about to say. And I really, really want to hear it, but I, I can't multitask. I can only do one thing. So just hold on for 20 seconds. And I want to hear every single thing that you have to say. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Um, that, that breeds safety and then letting kids know that it's not just your class. Like, it's not just right now. If you think of something after school, if you're still worried about it tomorrow, just come talk to me about it. And then that, I think that's how you move forward. Um, I'm really sorry that happened, too. That, that It's so unfortunate and sad. Especially at start your school. You're yeah. out that way. That's hard. Um, John Lopez's question is back up here. And he's asking, have you read The Godfather? Chicana Claus has sent you a copy along with some gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts so that you can have some coffee. Chicano Claus. He's better than me than Santa Claus. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I mean, I'm a grown man. I don't get Christmas presents. Uh, the I've not read uh, The Godfather. I actually didn't even know it was a book at first. And I actually didn't see the movie until I was much, much older. And then I went through a period where I went back and watched like a ton of movies that I'd never, that I heard about, like, but I never saw, like I never saw Scarface. I never saw The Godfather. I never saw um, Gone with the Wind. I never saw uh, Sound of Music, like Casablanca. So I just like made a point of like trying to watch like a ton of movies one year that were like, this is stuff I never saw. And I probably like feel like I'm probably missing out. There's still a ton of those. Like Citizen Kane, never saw Citizen Kane, never finished Mean Streets. Anyway. All right. Zachary. Thanks, Lopez. My buddy. Zachary Ross is asking, I'm sure this is relevant for others too. First day of school tomorrow, this will be the first time all students have been in person since the start of the pandemic. What advice would you give to set the tone and make the best year possible for students? I teach mostly freshmen. Uh, Zach, the feelings you must be feeling right now as you're sitting there on a Sunday night in front of your computer getting ready for tomorrow, I can only imagine is like, um, that's, there's a lot of anxiety. For anyone that's feeling a lot of that anxiety, I want you to remember this, that anxiety, that fear feels a hell of a lot like excitement. 
that just that same feeling of going up on a roller coaster. It's like, am I anxious? Am I stoked? I don't really know. It's the same thing. Same feeling. First time you go in for that kiss for someone, right? It's like, it's like a different feeling. And so just make sure you hit the lips and not the nose because that becomes awkward. Not saying I ever did that, but I might know a guy that looks like me that did that one time. So anyway, um, <laughs> I think that uh, the, the only message I want to convey on the first day, right? I have a whole video called uh, the first day of what I do on the first day of school is about really getting the point across to kids that they are my primary focus, that I want to be here. I'm actually excited. Now that sounds so dumb to so many people, but how many teachers in your life, did you ever have someone in your life that told you they loved their class, that they loved teaching, that they wanted to be here? Like maybe you did. That's awesome. I never had one teacher in my life tell me, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. I'm so excited to do this this year. No one ever. So telling them how much you're, how happy you are to be there, how great this year is going to be, and how we're going to move through this together because you want them to find an uncanny amount of success in your class that you want to really get to know who they are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then to build on both of those that, you know, I, I think that conveying that is the number one thing. And then the next piece is really getting to know your students. And so in that first and second day video that I have, um, they are, they really walk you through those steps and because I think the more you know about students, um, what did they say? The, the better you're going to be. But uh, what did I read the other day? It was a quote that said something to the effect of like, um, interesting people are interested in people, right? So like, if you want your students to be interested in what you're saying, you have to be interested in them in some real way, right? So learning who they are, what they like, what they're into, what they, and look, Sometimes that's a chore because you don't really want to play, I don't know, some video game that you're just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. But sometimes you can turn on the good stuff. Like the number of students that have told me to watch Bob's Burgers over the year, years and I never did it. And then I watched it last night. It was freaking, funny. it was so funny. I was like, I couldn't believe you were asleep. I was like, who am I sharing? <laughs> I watched this the month? first like part of it. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I was dying. It was freaking hilarious. So yeah. Okay, best of luck dude it's good to be exciting look remember this man you're gonna forget your first day i need you to hold on to that so that you can show up and help somebody else next year that's their first year are you done i am okay i want to say one more thing <laughs> our next question is from shannon douglas i've been teaching for four weeks and married for four months I am a lots new of newness going on <laughs> I here a new teacher all high school freshmen any advice on not bringing too much work home and optimizing workflow during the day? Yeah. So look, um, Shannon, I think that that is, uh, is key. It gets easier the further you go. If I think back to my own first day or first year, um, we hadn't been married for that long. Um, we did. We were married when you did student teaching. Yeah. Student teaching and uh, first year was. They were both hard for the for me. I felt like I was like, "Are you done yet?" You would be sitting there for hours working on the computer. I'd be like, "Yeah, are you done yet?" No, I know. Like, no, I'm never, never done. I, I never done. But that, I that's stop. what I would say all the time, right? I'm like, I'm never finished. There's always ongoing work. Uh, I would say this: try and get a number of systems down that are going to systematize your class so that you're not. So it's. So this is, this works for me, right? Maybe this works for you that like 
my guys come in and it's basically the same thing every day. Right. But it's different. Um, it's like when you go to the gym, you do, you always stretch first, right? So there's sort of some sort of like mental stretching that we're going to do. And then even if it's leg day or arm day or back day, what you're going to do is they're, they're, you're still doing exercises. You're still doing reps. You're still doing multiple sets, but it's different exercises every day. Right. And then you sprinkle magic on it. It's like, what, like, um, what gym are you at? Where are you working at? Maybe you're running today. Maybe you're at a certain gym today. Maybe you're in your, you know, your basement that day. Maybe you're um, like, what kind of music are you listening to? It's, it's, that's the magic you sprinkle on top of it. So the cake is just the cake. So I would figure out ways, but it's how you decorate the cake that makes the difference. So one, try and systematize your class as much as possible. Two, realize that you don't have to grade everything. Sometimes you can even just throw stuff away. It doesn't really matter. The kids still did the work, but it is, and I know people hate that, but it is sometimes the greatest relief to like, you're like, you have a hundred papers on your desk from today. And you're just like, right. Sometimes I don't throw them out. I just put them in a, in a drawer and hope that everyone forgets about it. And then in a week or two, when everyone forgets about it, then I just chuck them. Um, that sometimes it is, uh, I think limiting the amount of work that you're allowing yourself to do at home is really important but figuring out faster ways to grade stuff. Like I used to grade everything and with so much effort and it just didn't matter because no one cared because it was a study guide or it was like something that wasn't that important that it was like, I acted like everything was the biggest deal ever. And I think the last thing is, like I said earlier to someone, um, don't recreate the wheel, reimagine it. So like, it doesn't really always matter what curriculum you're teaching from, right? It doesn't matter if it's from a textbook, if it's from you're teaching novels, you're teaching um, a curriculum that someone gave to you, your whole school has the same curriculum. I, I, I argue, and I've done, I've, I've done this, where like, as a challenge, I've worked for companies that make textbooks. And they, their challenge to me was, can you make videos for us? And these all exist on some private thing. They're not like on my YouTube channel. We would love if you took this lesson from this textbook and we want to see what it looks like to sprinkle magic on it. And then you just do, you can take anything um, and do it. So it, th that's what I would, that's what I would focus on um, is those handful of things. That's really going to, I think, bring a lot of benefit this year. Okay. Our next question comes from Scott Orbay. Uh, I've been out on the, on the team to try and help create a new culture at school. How do I get buy-in from both staff and students? How do I maintain a realistic mindset for helping to make changes? I think, um, one, it's not always systematic change. Uh, I think, Scott, that, you know, uh, I've used this quote before that, I forget who said this, some doctor, I'm forgetting what her name is, Jill, um, Dr. Jill, says that you're responsible for the energy you bring into the room. I think nothing changes the school like the energy of the people that are in it, that if we can get people that are feeling creative, that are feeling like less stressed, that are feeling good about their lives and the work that they're doing, um, they just enter into a room differently. I would start aligning myself with people that are doing that. And so what you do is like you make this small group of people that's so attractive that they, they don't walk out of meetings worried or mad or upset they or if they are it's some sort of like righteous anger right so i get angry a lot in school and i and but what i don't want to be is apathetic um what i do want to do is like if something aggravates me i want it to be some uh, like a righteous anger that i that i want to fix something that i feel like is wrong or that's not good for teachers or students 
Um, and then that's a different space to, to work out of. I think, uh, but when you do that, that becomes really attractive to other people. So what you don't want to have is an exclusive group. You want to have an inclusive group where you're then people can come and be a part of this. And then that starts changing things and then start thinking of small changes that are going to have the largest impact. So you could do some big giant shift. So a guy that I work with used to run um, a video game night. And so they would have like all the teachers would bring in their video game console. Some of the students would donate theirs. And then we'd have like a game night where like there were all these projectors or big like smart screens around the room or in a particular hallway in the hall in the classes. And um, there were different games in different rooms. So like maybe Madden's happening over here, but over here Call of Duty's happening or Fortnite or whatever it is. And that was great. And that created a big shift in, in, and helped us to really connect with students. And it was awesome. But then I've had other folks that are just like, they open their classroom up during lunch um, even once a week for just teachers. This is, we're not having lunch with students today. This is just a quiet time for teachers to come in, to sit with one another, to laugh, to tell stories, to tell jokes, to like feed off of one another's enthusiasm uh, or to share a day that's really difficult for them. Um, but you're doing that in, in a way that is like, this is the safe space. That's a very small change and you don't have to do anything to prepare for it, except to just make sure your room is a welcoming place. Uh, but that that's some of it. I, I We also, I really believe in having dinner with people, either at your house or going out somewhere. The shared experience builds bonds like nothing else. Um, and so that, that that's the other thing I would do. Bring your baby to school. I'll just win everybody over and make oh. them feel better. Right, and connect people. People love seeing your kids. Here comes the best name of the, okay, of the day. Savannah Ghost Research Society is asking, starting the year with Persepolis and A Thousand Splendid Sons, we're also going to pool in current events. Any idea how to not bum them out with heaviness? I'm doing a lot of heavy hitters this year. So I've never taught um, Thousands and Splendid Sons, but I have taught Persepolis. The thing that I love about Persepolis is that although it is very, very dark sometimes um one that there's a there's so much that happens in that book that is currently still happening in the world like in many many places so this is not like a history book this is like something that did happen in history but man can you believe this is still happening now i think that's a good tie-in uh i think that there's also a lot of moments of like um protest in there like people that are like uh, so like Marjane's family is like her, especially her uncle Anoush. Um, there are all these moments in there where like they're standing up for what they believe in. And so last year we did a project called Hip Hop is Poetry. Or no, that's a different thing. Uh, Hip Hop is Protest. But we looked at all different genres of music from like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young um, to Young Thug to, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen. Like what is what are like what are different ways that people protest? And then where, how do you find your voice? What could you do? Because to be honest, kids, you have the internet, like, and the internet is everything. Like the, like governments have literally been destroyed by, by people on Twitter. Um, movements are happening all the time online. So what, what is the voice that you have and what do you want to share and what do you want to say? And then I think that the other thing with Persepolis is that there's, there are all these beautiful moments of like, of like comic relief. Um, one. And so it's like looking for the love and the light in, in any moment, but also 
I think, you know, what, going back to Mr. Rogers, one of the things that his grandmom used to tell him all the time when he would see scary stuff happening on the news is that you always have to look for the helpers. So you're not just looking for the people that are the problem. You're not just looking for the stuff that's on fire. You're not just looking for the people running out of the burning building, but you're looking for the people that are running to the burning building. And if I look at something like, you know, my students and I talk a lot about September 11th. Um, and as all these folks are kind of running away from that situation, if this horrific event happened, how many folks were running into that and how many people were loading trucks after that and sending supplies and giving money and time and energy. That to me is like, if we can train our students to do that and then not just be bought all the, all the stuff that the news sells all the time, but just to look for the helpers. I think that gives hope. So you're not just reading about dismal events. You're looking about how people are standing up, what they're doing, how they're showing up afterwards. You're looking at like, that that side of it as well oh my turn your turn girl <laughs> get it okay Kimberly Kimberly is asking how do you make accommodations without making it an obvious thing that might embarrass be embarrassing to them awesome awesome question um sometimes it is how I grade something that will be different sometimes it is um it is like there are multiple types of, of assessments or tests or, or assignments. And so kids don't know who's getting what. So like I might hand out papers or hand out something that students are going to work on, but like the, the changed ones, the ones that I, that I have, that have accommodations on them are on the bottom. And so I will, I'm giving out from the top of the, of the, deck when I'm going around the room. But then when I get to certain kids, I pull from the bottom of the deck and nobody has any difference. If they do see that there's a difference or if someone notices like, how come their paper only has five questions and mine is 10? It's like, oh, because I'm actually working through something with them and I need them to go like a bit deeper on five. Or um, we are like some, some of you will notice you've got different papers. That's just because I'm trying a number of different things um, for those individuals. It's about letting students know on as a whole that to the best of your ability, you're trying to teach individual students. It's not about being easier or harder for anyone, but it's about trying to help kids build skills that they need built. And so I feel like you need that and you need this. Sometimes it's going around and whispering to kids or giving them a note that says like, hey, look, just so you know, you're only gonna, you're only responsible for this, or, I, or not only responsible for this, I'd like you to focus on these three questions. Um, the other seven aren't so important right now, but I'm, I I think you'll have like, let's I'm, I'm going to see you do these top three because I'm curious as to like how you'll answer them or what you'll say or what you think is important there. Um, and that that's some of it, too. It is. But look, I, I think even if kids do figure certain stuff out, because um, I'll have some classes that read a book as a play and the other classes read it as a novel and like to themselves and they'll go like, how come we're not doing that? It's like because I'm trying to gauge the class and feel like, what do you need best? If everybody, went, I don't know why I keep talking about going to the gym because I haven't been in the gym in like two years, but it's like, if you're going to the gym, um, if everybody lifted the same amount of weights, that's so dumb. Some people can't even lift the bar off the ground and other people are gonna be like, this is too light. I'm not growing from this. So what I'm trying to do as your teacher is figure out who you are and then give you work that's appropriate for you. Uh, and you can look at someone else's stuff and say it's easier or harder, but I don't care. Focus on your own stuff. So that's kind of how I roll that stuff out. Okay. 
Next question. Tedify? Tedify. Tedify. Okay, there we go. Tedify. Thank you. Um, what if they keep getting worse? I think they're talking about students. I can celebrate important improvements, but what do I do if there isn't any? Um, gosh, it's just that way sometimes, right? You go into a class, you're like, yo, I've done it all. I come home, I'm like, wife, I've done, I've done everything. We've had serial day. I've tried to build relationships, teach through a lens to care about, try and do fun stuff. I think sometimes you get a group of students that can't handle that. That look, if I think about it, um, I, I think that the way we do education is largely um, is misguided at best, uh, completely wrong and detrimental to students at its worst, at large. But when we look at students, that come like, so I get 14 year olds that have been through the system for the 14 years of their lives. They've been taught how to care about points, how to care about only extrinsic rewards that have been told speak when spoken to and that are never spoken to that have sat in rows that are given no freedom or, or choice in, in what or how they're learning uh, to recreate that wheel. Um, in after 14 years in one period in one class, like, or just at one school, like that's not, that's, that's, you're fighting against 14 years of, 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 of a system that has built those students. So sometimes when I have classes that just, they can't, they can't do it. They just can't go outside. They can't handle the trip. They can't handle going to different places in the school. Cause I lose half of them on the way to the, to the stage. What the hell happened, guy? Oh, I don't know. I didn't really want to go down there. I know where you went. I know what happened. Um, I think it's about, it, it is about this. It's not about having the most fun class in the world. It's not about having the most engaging class in the world. I think that largely it's about helping students find success. So engagement and fun and all the other stuff is really only there to help students find success, to have a life that they dream about having, to have a life that is something that they want to live. Um, but sometimes that has to start with like, all right, we're just going to work quietly at our desks. We're just going to do like we're going to walk through um, like class isn't going to like I know you heard what we did in the other classes. We're not there yet. And you're not bad. I'm not holding. I'm not like saying like you guys can't do it. Can't handle it. You know, maybe if you acted better, you, we could do more stuff. Um, I'm not even going there. Nope. This is what I see you as needing right now. You all need to do like read the book and answer the comprehension questions. You all need like the check in every two days, three days a week um, to have quizzes and assessments to make sure that we're on point. You all need like a little bit more structure and routine um, to the classroom so that it can, so you can start finding success. And I think in doing that, um, one, I think kids crave that. I think kids crave consistency um, at, at a lot of schools, especially when they come from, um, if they're coming from homes that don't have consistency, but it's like trying to create a space where, um, this isn't about me. This isn't about my awesome class. This is about helping you to find success. So sometimes that's going to look drastically different and that's just okay. Is it as fun to go into school like that? No, it sucks sometimes. It's super boring. Um, but I think what you do then is you can start pulling kids and saying, all right, look, we're all working quietly and we're doing this thing. I really think like uh, pulling four kids together and saying, I think you guys could do this better as a group. How's this sound? 
And then that's how you start um, diversifying your class and teaching to different types of students. You start saying like, I think you'd actually do better like if you worked over here. Um, why don't you sit on the couch and I'll give you this clipboard and you can do this over here. What if you did, what if you two worked together? What if you guys worked on this with me? Um, so you start trying to, so you like get things on basically like on a lock and then you start figuring out from there how we're going to navigate this year and do this sort of thing. Um, and sometimes you get to a great place by the end of the year, sometimes you don't. Um, but I'm building relationships for life here. So I'm not trying to like just help kids in a year. It's like maybe next year you're in a different space and I can help you do that. I've, I'm actually been thinking about kids that like were a total pain in the neck for years at school. Um, and look, I haven't seen them in a year and a half. I'm excited for them to come back. And I'm like, I'm going to try again, see if I can connect with this dude who's like a total nightmare and like is a total pain in my ass all the time, but try and get back to that place where you're like, nope, because you never, ever, 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 as Adam Welcome says, give up on a kid. I'm going to do two more questions. Cool. Two more. Let's go. Um, the next one, do you have any suggestions to help students with test anxiety? Well, Rosalind, I would say that um, it is, I think it's about talking to kids about what is one, why are we so upset about a test? Like what, what what's going on there? Because it's not just tests, something else going on inside of you that you feel some type of way. Um, so trying to help kids unpack that. And then I, one of the ways I do it is that I just don't make it a big deal. Tests aren't worth anything more in my class than anything else. I am, and now we'll see if the school changes this this year. I don't really know, but my class is completely point-based. So like if a, te a test is just worth more points than like a regular assignment, because it's like a regular assignment is five to 10 points. Let's say a test is 30 points, but I don't, I don't balance them differently. I don't give it more importance. So like there's, they don't outweigh the test or quizzes don't outweigh the other stuff so that students can find it's like if you do all your classwork and you're rocking in that world and you do well in projects and you're speaking and participating in class but tests are just difficult for you okay but then i also allow kids to retake every single test in my class so all tests come on friday and then on wednesday before school during lunch or after school you can retake any assessment um for that one time right you have a one chance but then on friday I grade them on Monday. I give them back. You get, or sometimes on Friday, I give them back. Uh, and then looking over something with a kid, helping them to come up with a game plan as to how they're going to find more success uh, in the retake. And then just giving them the retake. I think because then it comes down to, it's like, it's not your one and only shot, right? It's not like this is our only hope. It's just this Friday on this test or we're screwed. It's like, no, you get a retake, you get a redo. And I, I like doing that for kids. Next I think it question. helps. Them. Our last one. Is Let's from do it. Hi, I'm a new teacher dealing with a not so nice veteran teacher. Have cried at work over it. Oh. She once yelled at me and said, do better. How do I go about dealing with that? Oh, that's awful. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. So I would say this. One. <laughs> Who says what veteran's teacher? Let's just, let me just, I can't even believe a veteran teacher right would say that to a new teacher. Like, you don't remember that a new teacher is dealing with all the things and not balancing it well and trying to make sure they're keeping up on top of everything. I mean, come on. They should never have said that to you first. I, there's a lot to say about this. I'm going to, I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and keep it at a minimum. One. Um, Go for it. It's your last one. <laughs> earmuffs, kids. 
someone that does that is an asshole. Let's just start there. Like someone that comes at you, if you're really trying to be good. Now, look, I I once yelled at a first year teacher. I'm not even going to lie. Yep. Waylon. Remember Waylon across oh, the street from me? Oh, he kind of deserved to be yelled at. He was a nightmare. <laughs> he let the kids do whatever they wanted. He was interested in being there. For, like, like, I can't even explain it enough. But then one day, the kids found a fire extinguisher in his room, and they started spraying it all over the place. And he kept teaching. Bro, what? What are we doing right now? So, like, I, like, lost it and, like, went and yelled at his class. And, and I yelled at him in front of his class, which I should not have done. But I was very, very aggravated. Um, cause then the smoke alarm, it was a whole deal. Right. So he did get yelled at by me, but overall it's like, what an asshole to tell someone to, to tell someone that when they're just showing up and trying to do the best and they're new anyway. Um, I would do the, the most I could do to not have to deal with them. Now, look, usually I say build relationships. So I think there's part of that there too, where it's like, What's their backstory? What, where do they come from? Um, but if someone's going to, if someone's just nasty, it's real hard to be like, Hey, um, do you want to go out for a drink or for coffee or for lunch? Like one makes, it makes me think that they're just going to say no anyway. And two, that they're just, uh, like, that's real. That's really difficult to do. Although I'd still try it. I mean, that's, that's my move for basically everyone. But the other piece is that you, I think what I would focus on is um, so much of you this year. How do you become a person that like when someone gives you feedback um, that you're not crushed by it? And look, this is so much easier said than done. I a hundred percent get that. But I, and I have to work on this all the time that I don't like, I don't like negative comments. I don't like bad feedback. I know I need it. I know it's the only way I grow. It's the only way I get better. Um, but I don't like it. It's, it sucks every single time. Like when someone gives me like a crappy uh, comment on YouTube or says something mean to me, I'm like, oh, that hurt my feelings for a second. Um, but that, but then I have like a, a thing that I go through and then it's just like, no, like I don't, I'm not here for you anyway. I'm here for kids. And so I think that it's, it's, it's becoming the best version of yourself that you can so that you can show up and be the strongest version that you could be. I think the other thing is to just, what you're doing is focusing on kids. And if you focus on kids that when someone doesn't like what I'm doing, um, there's a level of me that just gives, I give no craps. Like I just don't care because I'm like, you just, you clearly don't get it. Cause I'm, I'm over here trying to help kids. Like that's what I'm, this isn't about me. This isn't about my classroom. This isn't about being cool. It's not about being the funnest or being winning teacher of the year. I'm showing up for students. So I think when we can do that, that helps also. And then it's really trying to surround yourself with people that are going to help you get better, that are going to be a positive voice. Um, so, and I mean, people that are like constantly, you, you are with them all the time, every day, as much as possible inside of school, outside of school. Like those are the folks that are filling you up. Um, because here's the, here's the fact of the matter is that they can often, they might, if they're real friends, like I'm talking, you're ride or die homies, like friends. Like when I talk about my friend Cho all the time, Cho was someone that I could go to and say like, yo, so-and-so said this to me. And I'm like kind of pissed off. And she might go, Cho's the kind of person I will go, you do do that all the time. Or yeah, I see that also. Or um, like, they'll keep it a hundred percent real with me. Or 
she's someone that I, because she's willing to do that, I trust her when she goes, that's so dumb. They don't even know what they're talking about. Like, don't even listen to them. That sometimes better, other people know us better than we know ourselves, but those have to be trusted individuals that you're like in some sort of like connection, covenant or community with. Um, and when those speak, people can speak truth into your life. Like there are moments when like my wife will say something to me when I'm feeling some type of way. And I go, no, you're right. Like, I have to just be open to that. Like, no matter what my ego is telling me, uh, what my feelings are telling me, like my wife is speaking truth into my life right now. And I need to be willing to let that in. Um, yeah, that sucks. I'm really sorry that you're dealing with that. That's so aggravating, especially when you're trying to show up and be your best. And then someone just wants to be an ass and like do better. Who, who was whoever did better because someone was like do better i know right oh it's like not even a helpful it's not constructive criticism no that's not i'd be like it's, i'm trying like me yeah feel, and there's like, different ways trying i would go like this actually that's great i'm gonna write that down i'm gonna write down do better i'm gonna try i'm i haven't thought about that yet this is i'm gonna look into this whole doing better thing i think you're on to something I should write a book <laughs> And how to make friends and, and just influence titled people. do better and the do insight's better. completely blank how to do better <laughs> oh i'm sorry i hope you had a, a happy monday like in a better week this yeah. week so look gang um i am i don't know what i'm doing now are we going shopping the day i'll tell you about young. your boy right now guy that ran every single day in 2019 doesn't fit into any of his dress pants <laughs> you know why because these athletic shorts have grown with me over the last year and a half. And so my plan is I am buying one pair of pants. I'm only Old Navy. We're not going. There's no, there are no name brand, no fancy name brands this year. It is Old Navy, one pair of pants, five shirts. I will wear the same exact thing every single week over and over and so over again. shame himself. I'm not shaming myself. I'm limiting myself because I don't want to own bigger clothes. Um, but when you don't move as much, I, I like, you think about how much you move in school and now I'm just like sitting at this desk all day for both jobs. I'm like the, my level of movement, I couldn't, ma I, I would have to exercise so much to match my level of movement and I'm just not going to, it's not going to do that. So, um, yeah, I got to go buy five shirts. And so if you see videos and it's like, damn, Rel's wearing no, that shirt a lot. Stephanie shook, uh, hit the nail on the head and it's John Lopez's peanut brittle. That's really what did you don't eat Ch John Lopez's peanut brittle. Can I have some chocolate? You can have some <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, go ahead. Let's all have some chocolate. That's what we do. Um, all right, gang. I hope that you have a really great week. If there's anything else that we can do, you can find everything, the links to everything that is available on well, on the link, but now that Danielle's question solved there. Uh, RealRabbitWithReynolds.com. Um, you can go over to our Facebook group and join that and really find more people that you can really connect with and get along with. Um, and that's it. Next Sunday, it will be my day before. Oh, actually, next Sunday's Labor Day. Yeah, we, I, we haven't decided if we're gonna. Yeah, let's not. see. Uh, probably. Um, but then I'll be back to school at that, and that should be exciting. Start making videos in school and getting kids involved again and stuff like. Whew, man, it's a whole new world. Whole new world. I'm excited. I can't wait to see videos with students again. Well, I'll make it happen for you, baby. Thank you. I miss them. All right, gang. I hope that you have a wonderful week, uh, and we will see you next, next week. Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.